Hi, Church Home. First of all, um, love each and every one of you. Um, thank you so much for joining us in worship on uh, this night, which is the only night we have. This is our moment. Can't live yesterday. Can't live tomorrow. Um, so thank you. Thank you for worshiping with us. We love you. Again, my name is Judah. I'm married to Chelsea uh, 20 years now. We have three kids and we get to leave church home and it's our privilege to do so. In a moment, um, I'm going to share a sermon with you that I recorded just a few days ago. One of the reasons I'm shooting this additional video is to first and foremost say that the shooting of Jacob Blake um, is not only on my heart and my mind, but is on the heart and the mind of the leadership, the staff, the team, and the leaders here at Church Hall. This uh, cannot continue. And our passion is to be a part of the solution. And we continue to pray for Jacob's recovery, continue to pray that he will make a supernatural, miraculous and full recovery and pray that these acts that have no justice in them will stop and cease and that justice in all aspects of society and the human experience here in America would be had by all and specifically African-American, black men and women, boys and girls in this country. We believe that the gospel is a message of grace, forgiveness, love, and justice for all. We believe at Church Home that all people are God's children made in his image, and they have the dignity they have the value and the worth that their creator says they have. That is our passion to continue to be people who live out the gospel and message of Jesus. I'm excited to share this message with you. Uh, the title of this message is Jesus on Failure. Actually, no, that is not the title of this message. I'm so sorry. Uh, the title of this message is Help, I'm on Edge. Help, I'm on Edge. Um, Jesus on Failure was the last message we did together. Um, but uh, I hope that this message um, encourages you, builds you up. One of the primary reasons we get together is to be built up. In other words, encouraged and reminded again um, that we are loved and we are seen and we are heard and we are cared for. And God, that God who loves us, sees us and cares for us has given us such an incredible purpose in this life. I love you, Church Home, with all of my heart. Thank you for being who you are as a community. I love you. And now let's uh, jump into this message. Help, I'm on edge. Hey, Church Home, welcome to Wednesday Night Church. I'm so glad you're here. If you haven't noticed, uh, from my home to your home, this is literally my home office. This is my den, my creative space. And uh, it's just me. It's just me here talking to you. Uh, so literally from me to you, thanks for joining us on Wednesday night. I want to speak from the subject, help, 
I'm on edge. If you're new to this space, new to our community, welcome. It means the world that you would take time out of your schedule. Uh, church home is people. You are what it is. It's not buildings and programs and websites. and It's it's you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart on behalf of our board and our leadership. Thank you for taking time with us. You're going to find out real quick. I'm a Jesus guy. I believe he's the hope of the world. I believe that he is God in the flesh. I believe he died, was buried, rose again, defeated death, hell, and the grave. All to change humanity as we know it. We can be forgiven forever, accepted forever, loved forever, and right in our relationship with God forever because of Jesus. So that's kind of the paradigm we're working from. And again, today, on this Wednesday, the title of the message is Help! I'm on edge. If you haven't heard, my friend Chad Beach at Zoe Church, Chad and Julia Beach, I love you guys so much. Chad uh, just released a new book called Help! I Work With People. It is so good. Make sure you get a chance to pick it up. Uh, We all need help with working with each other, just loving each other more. So Help! I Work With People. That's where I got my inspiration for this sermon. Help! I'm on edge. We're going to jump in Ephesians chapter 6. If you haven't heard, as we're opening up the scripture to do our, our study here, I'm going to remind you on our app, we got Pastor Chat, we got team members standing by right now to talk with you, pray with you, cry with you, laugh with you, whatever we can do to serve you. And if you haven't heard as well, right after the sermon, Literally moments when I'm done talking, we will have a digital meetup. It'll be about 15, 20 minutes, have team ready to meet you, connect you, answer questions you might have, explain how you can get more involved in this global mobile church called Churchill. A big hello, by the way, for thousands of people watching from all over the world. Uh, Our context is the United States of America. We are currently in, um, some people have called it a movement. I prefer to call it a lifestyle. We are in a lifestyle of justice. Something is happening supernaturally, incredibly in our country right now. Uh, There is an outcry for equity and justice, particularly for black men and women, boys and girls in this country. It is an extraordinary time. It is a difficult time. It is a tense time, but we are growing and we are learning. And I wanna remind you when it comes to justice, That is the message of the gospel. So it is such a privilege and an honor for our entire church to stand in solidarity with not only the black men and women, boys and girls within our church in the United States of America, but every African American in this country and every black man and woman, boy and girl around the world, we would like to say that your life is of infinite value to God. It is of infinite value to us in our church. And we will stand by that. That is scripture. That's gospel. That's the message of Jesus. And we're so, so passionate about it. So thank you for all again, those watching around the world. Thank you for joining in, leaning in. You are a part of our community. This is such exciting, challenging days. Again, the title of my message, Help, I'm on Edge. If you're edgy, irritable, frustrated, agitated, this sermon is for you. Ephesians chapter six says, now beloved ones, please listen. I've saved the most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Operative verse now, key verse tonight, put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Second key verse, your hand-to-hand combat, your fight is not with human 
beings. It's with spiritual, unseen, evil forces. But our fight is not with each other. Our fight is spiritual. I'll explain. Help, I'm on edge. Lord, bless the minutes and moments we share. Thank you for what you're doing in our community, in our country, and around the world. Your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the NBA playoffs are upon us. If you're not familiar here in the United States of America, we have a basketball league called the National Basketball Association. And there used to be a team in that league called the Seattle Supersonics. Uh, but they moved away and became the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it was at about that point I had to find a basketball team to cheer for. So my boys were young and my daughter, I don't even think was born yet. Uh, but eventually I taught all three of my kids to cheer for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, it was uh, Lob City, Blake Griffin, Chris Paul. Um, loved these guys, loved our team. And then Lob City was traded away to make room for an unbelievable player named Kawhi Leonard, if you haven't heard. And about that time, one of my boys, my middle son, Judah Elliott Wendell Smith, decided he's going to cross over. He's going to do the unthinkable. And he moved his allegiance to the other LA team. Maybe you've heard of them, the Los Angeles Lakers. They acquired a player by the name of the great LeBron James, right, himself. And so my son, in this in this trade, in this actually offseason, I think, free agent signing. However, like like that matters, the details. But uh, Elliot left. He left the Clipper Nation and became a Laker. So as we speak, right in the middle of the NBA playoffs, uh, the Smith household is divided. It's so divided that the uh, vehement debates that my two boys get in has reached a boiling point and I'm over it. So it literally happened a few days ago. I told both boys, you're done. I do not have the bandwidth. I do not have the emotional capacity right now to deal with your agitated, irritable, frustrated conversations about LeBron, Kawhi, Clippers, Lakers. I'm done. I can't do it. And Chelsea and I started laughing. Like when I kind of was like, no, no more. You're done. Boy, stop. Quit talking. You, you're no longer allowed to talk about it in front of me. Chelsea's like, oh my word, thank you. I couldn't do it anymore. And we both started laughing because that's, we didn't want to cry. Because we're like, we are so edgy. And by the way, an edge in life can be really good. It can keep you alert. It can keep you focused. It can keep you committed. It can keep you leaned in. You're all the way in. Like, you know, you keep an edge, a competitive edge. That's awesome. When I say edge, what I'm talking about is there are so many frustrating, agitating things happening in you, around you, that now you are irritable. Now you are explosive. Do you know what I mean? Like any little, any little molehill can become a mountain, right? You project. You ever done that lately during COVID? Hello, somebody. You project. All of a sudden you're fighting with someone and what you're fighting about is not what you're fighting about. And you're not even fighting with the person. You're fighting with something else, but you had to fight about someone. So you fight with the person and it's not what you're fighting about, but you fight about it anyways. And you persist and you insist and you continue to try to prove your view and your perspective and what you think is right. And you continue to do it. And 45 minutes later, you're like, I'm exhausted. What am I doing? I'm not even that upset about this. Why am I fighting? Why am I so bothered? And why am I so agitated? And now I have to ask my wife to forgive me. <laughs> now, maybe that's just my own experience, but I am edgy, irritable, um, frustrated about the dumbest little itty bitty things when what really matters is human life. What really matters is that no more people die in this country 
or any country. That's what really matters. And people are dying because of injustice and people are dying because of a disease, dying because of a pandemic. It is literally life and death. That is the daily state we all seem to be faced with. And the news and the outlets and the media, it, it's, you're, we're just inundated all the time. As a result, I would guess you're edgy and so am I. You're like, I'm not edgy. Don't put that on me. Okay, all right, fair enough. But maybe you've been edgy. Maybe you feel like getting edgy. Uh, maybe you look in the future and you go, well, I think I'm about to be edgy. But the point is this. When we get irritable, agitated, frustrated, we actually end up fighting the wrong thing and fighting with the wrong people. Fighting in the wrong way. Isn't it funny? When you're irritable, edgy, frustrated, agitated, you fight with the people you love the most. You say the most hurtful things. And like I said a moment ago, you make a molehill a mountain. Help! I'm irritable. Help! I'm on edge. Welcome to 2020. Now, I want to say this about scripture. We talked today about you not being irritable and agitated and finding some incredible um, steps and processes and perspectives to acquire and the help of Jesus himself. I am not trying to eliminate um, your passion to fight. The Bible doesn't say there's not a fight. Ephesians 6 doesn't say, hey, no more fighting. Everyone just be peace. Everyone just be, be at peace. And some of our culture right now wants to promote and proliferate a false peace. It's where everyone just kind of lays down their differences and their pains and their grievous acts and our history. And we just would play. We play pretend. It's like growing up as a kid, you play house. It's not real. It's not a real peace. A real peace is with truth involved. Right. So we're not trying to look the other way, pretend it's not there, not deal with our own shortcomings and how maybe we have played a part in injustice that seems to proliferate in this country and maybe in the country where you live. So there is a fight. In fact, the Bible says fight the good fight. In other words, don't fight the wrong fight. Fight the good fight. There is a fight. It's a good fight and it's the right fight. And Ephesians 6 says that fight is not against human beings. In fact, our fight is for human beings. It's not against human beings. See, when someone says Black Lives Matter, you may hear blacklivesmatter.com, an organization that is politically anchored somewhere and has an agenda and has issues that frankly, in some cases, are not biblical and I can't agree with. So maybe you hear Black Lives Matter, oh, that is a political movement. What I hear is a lifestyle of love. What I hear is that there is a question in this country and maybe other countries that the lives of black men and women, boys and girls, don't matter as much as other lives. That is worth fighting for. That's where we stand up and say, no, every single human being and specifically black human beings matter just as much as any other human being on the planet. That, that's a fight worth fighting. I'll tell you what another fight is worth fighting. That is the preservation of human life when it comes to disease and pandemics. That we can do everything we can or know how to do and none of us have the 
full understanding of what's best during this pandemic. These are unprecedented days, but I'll tell you what's worth fighting for is fighting that more lives would be protected and preserved. That's our passion. Those are fighting for human life is worth fighting for. There is a fight, but in the fight for human life, we can't fight against human lives. It's self-defeating, isn't it? It's what Dr. King says. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So we can't fight humans so that we fight for humans. We can stand up, we can speak out, we can be bold, we can be strong, we can be who we are, who God's called us to be. And, but, but our fight, our hand-to-hand combat, Paul says, it's not with human beings. It's spiritual. And I want to say this statement, and I'm not going long tonight. What's happening right now in this nation and nations around the world that are being affected It is far more spiritual than you could ever imagine. You could ever imagine. Can I tell you one of the revealing ways you know Satan himself is at work? He has two titles in Ephesians chapter six. Do you know what they are? Accuser and slanderer. Accuser and slanderer. You will know you are in a spiritual war when accusations and slander begin to take the forefront of the narrative and the tone of what's happening. That is a sure way to know this is spiritual. The devil himself doesn't want this to work. There is, look at the accusations, look at the slander. We are living in a culture right now where accusations and slander are celebrated. I'm not saying that we don't speak the truth in love. By the way, the Bible does not say, look the other way when you see error, when you see injustice, when you see murder, when you see marginalization, when you see enslaving, when you see, it doesn't say look the other way. Jesus didn't look the other way. He stepped in. There was practical, literal justice that had to be walked out in continents and countries and governments. And those things are outlined clearly in scripture, but it is very clear in the Bible and in the ways of Jesus that in an effort to fight for human life, we don't fight other human lives. We primarily, first and foremost, we fight spiritually. I'll tell you one of the great ways, this isn't in my notes, I'll tell you one of the great ways we can fight is not to participate in slander and accusations, both of which are not anchored in truth. Do you see that? Accusation and slander are partial truths or what we project and hope to be true about someone and we tear them down. We devalue them. We demean them. And in some cases, maybe even demoralize them. So accusation and slander is not what we participate in. We participate in speaking truth. By the way, the Bible says you should only say the truth when it's motivated by love because that's what will bring progress, productivity, and true change. So one of the ways we know this is spiritual is slander and accusation seems to be swelling. It's at an all-time high. We say, hey, we're not going to participate with slander and accusation. Oh, we're going to speak the truth but we're going to do it in love, in an effort, again, because we love humanity. I'll tell you another thing 
I think it's going to be really, really important. We are going to have to rehearse in these days filled with accusation and slander, filled with so much fodder. We are going to have to remember whose we are and where we stand. When it comes to those that accepted Jesus, you are righteous. In fact, the Bible says you stand now righteous. I want to say this. The Bible says, and I've, I've, I've quoted this, this scripture so much lately. The Bible says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs at his enemies. All those who oppose his plan and purpose on the earth, he finds it humorous that they would ever think for a moment they could stop him or they could keep him from doing what he plans to do. And the Bible says that this little planet called Earth is like an ottoman to him, that he kicks his feet up. Now, it sounds like he's inactive. It sounds like he doesn't care. But the point, of course, is not that he doesn't care, not that he's active. He's actively involved in the intimate details of our everyday life. But it literally means he is sovereign, powerful, and totally and completely in control. So I want to remind you, God is the victory and the champion. And I want to say this, we will win. We do win. I've read the end of the book. I'm telling you, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the creator of the heaven and earth has a name and his name is Jesus. God is going to bring healing to the nations. The church is going to continue to grow. People's lives are going to be transformed. We win. My dad used to say, no matter what, we win. In life, we win. In death, we win. Jesus is a winner and he is the champion. So I want to say this. In all of our efforts for true justice, in all of our efforts for true equity, in all of our efforts for true integration in the church, I'm talking about the nation for a moment, in the church, in all of our efforts, I want to remind you, when you feel down and when you feel discouraged and when you feel distraught and when you feel detoured and when you feel like you're not, not enough, and when you feel like nothing's changing, nothing's working, I want to remind you that we have a captain and his name is Jesus and he is the champion of the ages. He is undefeated, undisputed. He is God all by himself and he doesn't need anybody else. He needs for no thing and no one. He chooses us. He wants us. He loves us, but he is sovereign. He's big, he's powerful, and he has no needs. Remember, he is in control. He's big and he's in charge. Here's why I'm going to end this sermon. You feel edgy. You feel irritable. Got to remember this is more spiritual than you think. You got to remember the victory you have in Jesus. But here's where I want to land this sermon. It says this in Ephesians, speaking of the context of warfare. Spiritual warfare, it's been called. It's fighting spiritually. It literally says you need to put on God's complete armor. Put on God's complete armor. Now, a lot of people have read this passage and thought, if I'm irritable and edgy and I'm not fighting the right people, and keep in mind, I want to remind you, when you're irritable and when you're edgy, you fight the wrong people the wrong way, and it leads to more frustration and agitation, and, and then your, 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 your thoughts get unhealthy and they're negative, and uh, sometimes, honestly, leads me to eat things that aren't good for my body and watch things that aren't going to be productive and helpful. And so it's, 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 it's actually really important. This irritability, this frustration, agitation, this edginess that you're experiencing, um, we, we, we've got to find some progress here. So we'll fight the right fight, fight the good fight.
So here's what I want to do. I want to show you in the most practical way in the next five minutes. Five means 10, but 10 or less. I want to show you um, one of the most practical kind of portraits and expression of how you can minimize your irritability and your edginess so that you can fight the good fight and not every day just roll out of bed and fight people you don't like, don't look like you, think like you, or vote like you. Anybody can do that. Hey, you're a spiritual person. You're forgiven by Jesus, and he has a plan even for 2020, even on this Wednesday evening. And I want to say, maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Can I just say, you have the opportunity while watching this to receive the free gift of forgiveness, know you're in right relationship with God, and all the spiritual realities I'm about to describe can be true for you. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. Like I said a moment ago, I started in a sentence I didn't finish. A lot of people take this passage and think you got to memorize the whole armor, right? So the shield, the belt of truth, the cloak of zeal, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, shoes of the gospel of peace, right? And so you're, and I got most of them memorized, I think. I don't think it's about every day actually going through the armor, the words put on literally mean, in the original language, sink into, Ooh, sink into, okay? So we now know there's a provision that God has made for when we're in a fight. And we're in a fight right now. We're in a fight. There are wicked, evil forces at work in the universe that want people to feel less than human less than valuable, less than significant. There is a wicked, foul, evil plan by wicked, evil, foul spirits, the hordes of hell themselves who literally want black men and women, boys and girls in this country and around the world to actually feel like they are less than others. And that we shall fight. Now, while you're fighting for what we know is true in scripture, you're going to need to sink into the whole armor of God. It's going to keep you from hurting yourself, hurting people, hurting those around you. It's going to keep you fighting right. So here it is. Sink into the whole armor of God. First of all, that language, I love it. We've talked about this before. It's not an effort language. Sink. How hard is it to sink? To sink, you just got to settle down and then the sinking just happens. Sink in. Come on. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. This is not, this fight is not by might. It is not by power, but it is by the spirit of Jesus. This fight is spiritual. You and I need to sink into the armor of God. So how do you sink? The other title for the sermon could be how to sink. You know, what's so funny. We're fighting the good fight, but to continue the fight, to have the energy, the effort, the courage, the focus, the understanding, the wisdom, even as a white male to educate myself on American history, which is black history, and understand that much of the history that I understand is not the full story. Not at all. Right, but I need energy and strength and courage to continue to expose myself, educate myself, learn, 
and grow and see the scripture differently than I've ever seen it before. How do you sink into the armor of God? Five simple steps. And I know it's rare that I give simple steps, but I want to, and, and, and I understand some of this is just kind of my take and my opinion, but I think that you'll find in scripture, it's these concepts that I'm going to share with you are all throughout scripture, particularly the New Testament. Number one, find some space. How to sink. Are you edgy? Are you irritable? Are you agitated? Are you frustrated? Are you running your mouth towards people that you love, saying things you don't really mean and hurting people? Are you watching this right now and you know you need to call that friend, that loved one, that spouse, that mom, that dad, and ask for forgiveness because you were right, but your attitude was so wrong and you hurt them? You know what you need? You need to sink. How do you sink? Find some space. Find some space. Sometimes you got to schedule it. Sometimes you got to go on a walk. Sometimes you got to go on a drive. Sometimes you got to go by water. Got to go for a hike. I said, Judah, I don't have no, I don't mean hike into the most beautiful, incredible gardens and mountains. That may not be realistic, but a hike is also a walk around the neighborhood. Um, a bike ride with a mask, preferably, I think. But where do you, where, where, where can you find space? Make some space. As soon as this message is over, maybe you do the digital meetup and then you go find some space. Space is without your phone, maybe without to do, make some space. Now, once you get the space, settle in, settle in. Take some deep breaths, some big exhales, things I do when I'm trying to play better golf. I need to calm down because I'm throwing my clubs. Settle in. How do you sink? Got to settle in. Some space. Settle in and then get quiet, silence, space, settle. No arbitrary time here, by the way, no arbitrary time. You could do this in three minutes. You could do this in three hours. Space, settle, and then get quiet. Now, what I like to do about this point, because we go from space, settle, silent to seek. When I get quiet, I usually... Um, Problem is I had to turn this on airplane mode, but then my music still works. And then I will just turn on music and I will allow with some space, with some settling and in my silence, some of my favorite worship is on. Shout out to Marvin Sapp, who just released an amazing single that I love. But space, settle, silent, and then the seek. And the seek for me is not, oh God, help me. Ah! And that's great too. There's place for that. But the seeking for me, again, we're trying to sink. Sink into the provision God has made for your fight. For the fight. The fight for human life. Sink in. And one of the ways you can do that is this word seek. Seek is, it's actually more of a mental focus. And what I do is I say, okay, God, fill my mind. It might be a scripture I read earlier. It might be a scripture I read in 1999. Fill my mind now with verses of scripture. That's how I know it's God. It's God's word. God has spoken. It's, it's 100% truth. True. God, fill me with my thoughts. And then in a process of time, before this whole sinking is over, I'll use the power of my words. Again, this can be three minutes. It can be three hours. 
or more or less. Probably need a little more than three minutes, maybe. I don't know. But then I just start speaking it. I start speaking it. To be honest, um, that's where this sermon came from. This is how the sermon came to me. It's how Sunday's sermon came to me. I sink. I sink into the provision for the fight. Part of the way that I fight and resist injustice, part of my resistance to inequity, injustice, and horrific, horrific acts against black men and women, boys and girls in this country is, I think, this is our fight right. Get some space, <sighs> settle in, get quiet, allow my mind to start seeking him. Music can help. And I just, I also can do the Bible app and I'll push play on the Bible app and it'll read scripture to me. I've done that as well. And then after this process, and sometimes you don't know when, but the Holy Spirit leads you. Jesus is in the room with you right now. He'll just, and then I start saying things. God, I thank you. My fight, my, my hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. God, I thank you. I'm going to fight right. Thank you. You've made provision for my life. Thank you, God. You knew I'd be a preacher and a pastor in 2020 during this assault on human life. These pandemics, the pandemic called COVID-19 and the pandemic called racism. God, you knew I'd be a mouthpiece. You knew I'd be a preacher. So right now, I thank you all the provision I need right now. You've made available to me. I know it sounds wild, but there's books that I'm reading, history books right now, books by black authors um, that I am reading right now, trying to educate and expose. Even before I read these books, other than scripture, God, speak to me. Show me what you're trying to say to me through this project. This is how I write. Before I write, before I uh, me and my co-author, we're writing a book right now, and Justin and I, and, and his name's Justin Jacob, he's an incredible man, love him, pastors a great church in Guadalajara, Mexico, and I'm doing this. I'm sinking. You need to sink. I think you got the message. God has already made provision for the fight. Now we just, we acknowledge it, and we sink. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. You don't warrant it, but you are not alone in this fight. I love you. We're with you. God is with us. And um, we may be tempted to do a lot of things, but one thing we're not going to do is stop. We're going to stand for human life in all of its many beautiful forms. From, from pregnancy to the grave. We are going to fight the good fight. And I love you, church. I love who you are. You're the most incredible collection of human beings I've ever heard about, seen, witnessed, certainly had the privilege to be around. Call you family and call you friends. I love you. Help! I'm edgy. I'm on edge. No problem. God's made provision. He's made provision for you. Isn't that amazing? I pray right now that the peace, that the peace of God, not just average run-of-the-mill peace, but 
The peace of God that passes all understanding will right now guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Please hear me. You're not alone. Your fight is not with people and you're not alone in it. God is with you. You got a community that's with you. And we're going to fight the good fight of faith. In all this, we trust Jesus, his lordship, and his leadership. God, I thank you for the minutes and moments we share. Bless every single person listening. Help us to sink more into all that you have provided for us for the days in which we live. In Jesus' name, amen.